Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Higher Estate. My name is Dr. Ira Price, and this is where we discuss all things related to cannabis, and we bridge the gap between the medical world and the lifestyle world. I have an amazing show today. We have uh, an awesome guest, a good friend of mine from California. His name is Brian Chaplin. Hey, Brian. Hey, Dr. Ira. Good to be here, my friend. Thanks so much for coming on, and uh, we're going to have a great chat, and I miss you, bro, and I know we've had some like really good talks in the past, and you're doing some really cool things, and you've helped a lot of people, and one of my lines, guys, that I've used forever, as below is above, that comes from this man right here, and uh, I'm excited to talk about all those things, the uh, the plant itself, the uh, where you've come from, and how how you got into all of this, and what's happening with Medicine Box, and uh, we're gonna we'll get into that. Uh, but we also have the beautiful Janelle, who's here. What's up, hey. Janelle? This woman is like one of the most intelligent humans I know, and uh, and I'm it's just awesome. How are you? I am good. No complaints. How Wish was your week? <laughs> yeah, the weather sucks. We that had one. We had one day of, you know, I'm kind of jealous because this guy, Brian, Brian is sitting in Lake Tahoe. He's like, oh, I'm staring at lake, at the Lake Tahoe. Right now. Oh, Jesus. No complaints. And, no complaints and, here in North Lake Tahoe. Whether I'm, whether I'm quarantining or I'm not quarantining, Lake Tahoe is a magical place to be. So, Has the, your life changed at all? You know what? I keep saying I have a third degree black belt in social distancing and the, there hasn't, there hasn't been much change because I've just really just rolled right into my, my normal life. You know, I'm like, whoa, normal life is quarantine. Um, but you know, very <clears throat> really what has changed a lot is, uh, I've built up a lot more gratitude for where I live. I consistently, consistently every day I cheers the lake with my coffee and I say, I'm so grateful for you and grateful to be able to live here because there's a lot of people, San Francisco, LA, Toronto, New York city, Boston, where my sister is, uh, that don't have the luxury of being able to step out in nature and be quarantined in you know, a, a, a beautiful place because, um, they're, you know, in a city. So very grateful to be here. So that's what's really changed, and a lot so of luck. gratitude, good work. Yeah, gratitude. Well, that's pretty cool because like right now all I have is uh, is rain, and I'm looking out the window now. I, I feel like we should compare what the outside looks like. I can't turn my camera around, but if I could, our my outside basically I see a chain link fence, uh, some trees, and and uh, it looks like it's rain and it's raining with a whole lot of overcloud cast. What's it like over by you, Janelle, right now? What is the difference from Markham, Vaughn, and Thornhill? Like, is Markham all of Vaughn? She lives in like North Toronto, and and I'm trying to figure like when people say I live in Markham, do you live in Vaughn? Is that the same thing? Well, they're all considered a part of York region. So Vaughn, um, like Northern Toronto. So actually, I don't know if Vaughn's included, but Markham, Richmond Hill. Yeah, we're going to have internet. (laughs) All those places are considered a part of the York region. Um, So I'm in York region. It's usually a little bit chillier out here. Right now, it's pretty overcast. Like, it doesn't seem as though the sun exists, <laughs> and it's pretty windy. So I am 
apparently we're supposed to go up to like 17, 18 this weekend and it's supposed to be sunny. So I am saying all my prayers and I am lighting candles, I'm saging and everything to make sure that actually happens. <laughs> you know, what's kind of cool. I mentioned yesterday, you know, from all this quarantine stuff, I was reading yesterday that the largest portion of our, of, of, um, deficiency in our ozone layer has healed itself That's a million yeah a million square kilometers over the arctic is now healed I, I mean i don't know if it's a coincidence to everybody like to to a lot of industry being closed down and and the social distancing but i mean i think we're seeing a couple silver linings to to all of this i mean Unfortunately, we're not in the same position as Brian, where this guy gets to be stuck at home next to a uh, next to a lake, a beautiful right. like guys in the mountains. It's like I, I watch this guy's Instagram like every day and, and I'm seeing him. He's playing his guitar and life looks awesome. And there's like sun <laughs> everywhere and mountains everywhere. And I'm sitting here and I'm like picking up my dog shit. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> trees. Like, Lot, lots of trees. The lake. It was 75 degrees yesterday. It was the nicest day of the year so far. Blue really? sky. The lake is glass. Yeah. But I will say this might make you feel better, Dr. Ira, is uh, we waited for Miracle March to happen. Miracle March happened, which is we get a lot of snow in March yeah. as skiers, right? Uh, and the weekend, we got mm, four to six feet. The ski resorts closed for COVID-19. <laughs> We at least thought Hold on. that. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, yeah, got had... four to six feet in March. Yeah, that's that's what we call a miracle March. January, February was very very dry. December oh came God. out of the gates cranking, and then you know we didn't know the seriousness of COVID nineteen, so we thought right. the gondolas and the trams that are you know uh, close proximity of, of space for people, we thought those would at least close. Uh, and then they closed all the ski resorts starting in Colorado, and then it made its wow. way over to California. So that miracle march that happened is the one that none of us got to ski beautiful Squaw Valley, you would say. So. Oh, man. Check this, check yeah. this out. So the week I came back from Chatter Creek, I was out at Chatter Creek doing the uh, do, like uh, doing a cat ski trip. I started off at Kicking Horse and then went over to Chatter Creek. And uh, I mean, my I, I actually I'm taking off next year because my my knee just can't handle it. My whole body basically is falling apart. But um, the day, so the day we flew, you have to take a, a helicopter into the backcountry to get there. And then you're at, the, at this like chalet for three days or four night, four days. And then you come back. So the day we came back, which was on the 14th, I think 13th of March, there was another group coming in and uh, they, I, we just transitioned from the helipad into this like i we came out or i came out there was a couple a couple birds that went that day they went in they had a guy on that plane or on that bird that was covid positive and uh that yeah and it's a it's pretty much a, a closed environment when you're up there there's 30 people that basically can get in and out and that's it you can't get in and out of this resort there's 30 people that stay there well it's not a resort the chalet and uh they had a guy that was covid positive 
And so they, they uh, wow. within two within two days, he became super symptomatic, and they had to shut down the whole place. And oh, and then uh, like seven of the employees, everybody sort of got it. They all survived, which is good, you know. And uh, <laughs> which I guess is good. But yeah, that happened the day we came back, and the wow. day I flew back, all the resorts, BC basically closed like closed shop. So, I mean. Hey, listen, at least you at least you got some of a ski season. You get four to six feet in March. I'm coming. Well, that here. was like that was one storm, one big storm. Yeah, what? Not just not just the month, but yeah, it kept snowing. Crazy. Like, four to six feet in just one go. Wow. Yeah, so, it's snow- when it snows here in the Sierras, it snows. It, okay. What else is happening with you, uh, Janelle? Anything fun in your life? How's your kids? I see that you're taking what? photos. What's happened with your son? He's still, you know, school still closed and still trying to keep him busy. So that's been task numero uno. But um, I've been tuning in to, I don't know if anybody else is watching, but um, on 420, Netflix launched Cooked with Cannabis, um, a yeah, cannabis yeah. cooking show. So I've been trying to catch up on that, which has been pretty interesting thus far because I mean, I'm familiar with cooking with cannabis, but seeing like actual chefs do all these techniques and these really extravagant types of food with cannabis, it's like blowing my mind. And I'm like, ready to take a class. You know, what's uh, cool about that is less, I think it was Lester interviewed the director uh, of that on uh, Weed Talks. Derek, I think I'm right. You're in the background. He's going to say, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, actually, it was the... It was the chef from uh, the third show. Yeah, and uh, so you could check that out on the Cannabis Wiki site. The uh, eventually, anyways, you'll see uh, on Weed Talks. You'll see him uh, it's coming out on uh, Friday. All right, you'll see Ooh, him on Friday. Right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And she, he got pretty deep, and they went into like what you know, into into uh, you know what, what motivated her to do the show and all that stuff. And that's pretty cool. So, uh, yeah. So you've just been sitting at home watching Netflix like the rest of us. I mean, I've been working a little bit here and there <laughs> Do you watch. Honestly, I got into this new show. You guys are going to laugh at it, but it's really funny. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. All right. Have you watched this show? It is the funniest fucking show you could like. It's about this um, Jewish woman in like 1950s who uh, who's married and her husband leaves her and then they become friends still or whatever. And she becomes a stand up comic. And it and she's like and she's got a potty mouth and she's funny and she's witty. It, honestly, it's the funniest show. But I, I mean, I guess you kind of have to understand like Jewish humor a little bit. But yeah. it's so it so teaches you about like the funniest shit that happens within the Jewish culture. Anyway, it's it's funny. I watch it. I I, I just you know I just big up uh, <laughs> marvelous Mrs. Basil. I can't believe I said that, but you gotta watch it. It is really funny. Anyway, all right. So Brian, yes, sir. Aside from living in such an awesome place, which like I wish I was there, um, you. You, we've we've had discussions in the past. I mean, it would, the last time I think I saw you though was when I was in California and we had uh, the cannabis retreat, which uh, we haven't done in quite some time. It'd be great to just come out there and hang out. And definitely, I'm coming out next March. Hopefully, I can get out before that, if they open up our airlines and our borders. Um, and actually, the first time I met you was at um, the Emerald Cup. Was that? 
was Emerald Cup? Was it the Emerald? No, Cup? Emerald it, Cup? That it was. was it was Canna Bliss at Joshua Tree. No, it was before that because I came out to you oh, guys. No. You're absolutely correct. It was the Emerald Exchange. Emerald Exchange, right? Because Emerald Real Cup is your yeah. Yeah. Sarah was... brought you by the our booth, and we were packing up, and it was a quick hello, quick exchange, and then I believe Cannabis Retreat in Joshua Tree was like a month later. Yeah, in it September, was. It was August, and then um, J Tree was in September, yeah, which was that... amazing. That was a fun time. That was, I think, one of, like, for me, it was, you know, that was one of the best experiences I had in a very long time. Very grounding for me. Mm-hmm. So, and and you, when I met you, you had just, you were just, you had just opened or you had already, you've been in the cannabis industry for so long in California. Yeah. And, and you were just transitioning into, uh, into sort of, I guess, waiting for the legal market to open up mm-hmm. and you had started... Uh, a company called Medicine Box, mm-hmm. which is so yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> great name, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Many many different facets of the cannabis journey, cannabis industry. I mean, I started growing indoor in the traditional Prop 215 market in 2009 in Oakland, and then I got into infused products and Prop 215, uh, just around beginning of 2016 and that's when I was really starting to conceptualize Medicine Box and what the brand represented, its values, its ethos and didn't really know uh, where it was going but um, I knew kind of where I wanted to go right if that if that makes sense and <clears throat> I wanted to step out of the traditional marketplace or the underground or some people know it as the black market. Um, <clears throat> We call it the legacy market now. Legacy market, but I'm very grateful for that journey because it's really it really gave me the opportunity to have a deep connection to the culture and the community, which is uh, one of our seven pillars of the brand is community, and that's the OG cannabis community that's composed of the the cultural and social dynamics of you know NorCal cannabis roots, and um, yeah, and then waited for you know when I met you. I think that was 2017, you know, regulations really weren't quite out yet. And so the last couple of years have been navigating the labyrinth of um, the good old California Prop 64 regulatory framework. And now in 2020, uh, a lot has transpired, a lot has manifested and, uh, you know, still at it, still evolving and and still, you know, digging my, digging my heels in. So... Take me back to, you know, 2015, you were just, uh, just in the process of transitioning. You've been, I'm assuming you're, you've used cannabis your whole life. Have you been a cannabis proponent your whole life or, Mm. or, or, and then you transitioned into it or, and then you transitioned into the growing or into the business aspect of it? What, you know, what happened? I grew up in, I grew up in New Hampshire in the eighties and nineties, went to university of Vermont. And, um, we smoked kind bud back then, you know, and I remember, uh, you know, having some heart to hearts with my dad and he, he was in the service in Spain in the early seventies. And, uh, he, he used to smuggle hash from Morocco to the naval ship. So it, it kind of was like in my DNA a little bit. 
And, um, but I never was like the, the stoner type. I didn't get into the a stoner phase. It was just a here and there thing. And, uh, then, you know, fast forward, you know, through, through college, living in Tahoe for a few years, I moved to the Bay area in 2008. And, um, I went on a drive with some friends to Oakland, right place, uh, wrong time or the wrong place, the right time. And I didn't know what we were doing. We looked at a warehouse space and turns out they were going to lease it to, uh, build a indoor grow facility and they didn't have any money. I did in the form of unused, you know, credit cards and I financed the, the grow operation with $60,000 of, uh, credit cards and we paid it off in two years and, that that's what really set me off to the, the races and realized that, you know, this, this had some business, you know, opportunities. And at that time though, it was more to supplement my income for my party habit and my skiing habit and my travel habit. And I never thought I would really get super granular into the medicinal wellness aspects of cannabis, which has brought me to where I'm at today. But, you know, that's, that's how we evolve in, in life. And I really think, you know, the, the spirit of the cannabis plant really reveals more about the more we work with it, the more it reveals more about ourselves. And that uh, revelation about ourselves is what we can package up and put out there into the world. And that's what I'm really always constantly trying to do with the messaging of the brand and then the products we make to get out there. Do you think that that your that that your ethos, your personal ethos, and your personal journey is what created that set those seven pillars. What are the seven pillars that so, you're talking about? Yeah, and how did they that, come about? Yeah, medicine box is meta, me, metaphorical for you know your your box of medicine, like the the spiritual tools, the medicinal tools that are laid at your feet that you use, you know, every day to create, uh, you know, sovereignty in your your health and happiness and that's really what helped me design, you know, medicine box from, I thought of, you know, and I'm in recovery. So in the 12 step program, we always use, you know, uh, your, your toolbox, what's in your toolbox today to get through today, you know, and it, it kind of, that kept like, you know, boggling around in my mind when I'm, you know, running or skiing and medicine box came to be, and it was really built around this grand vision that, the majority of humans on the planet would replace the traditional contents of their medicine cabinets with a, you know, cannabis health and wellness supplement or plant medicine. You know, that's the Advil, Motrin, Ambien, Prozac, you know, opiates, those things. And that's what, you know, I based the, the vision on. And then I started to look around at my life and, you know, it was, I was really getting into mindfulness with uh john kabat-zinn and you know nature as you know is a big part of my life music food uh community collaboration uh and, and recovery and those are the those are the seven pillars and then cannabis is this evolving medium that really just weaves it all together and um that's the messaging of, of medicine box so when we develop products we look through each one of those pillars lenses and you know, how can we, you know, develop a product to, uh, you know, really, um, 
fortify those those pillars and and that's uh that's how we go about you know building products and messaging so so you use cannabis as a form you mentioned their recovery and you're in recovery uh you know what i i really appreciate throughout you know throughout my journey with cannabis is the way that cannabis can be used in recovery mm-hmm. and uh i'm not an abstinence uh, an, a full abstinence um, physician who believes you have to stay away from everything, and uh, and that's I don't actually think that that works. But that is you mentioned the twelve. You mentioned a whole bunch of things there that I have a bunch of questions on this twelve twelve yeah. the the twelve step program is an abstinence based program, mm-hmm. but you use cannabis as a form of recovery. Yeah. You know, actually, uh, and, and in your recovery program. So a couple questions. I mean, the first question is. You know, how did you come from, where were you that brought you to cannabis into your recovery? You know, what was that life journey like when you weren't and how was that addiction? Did that, was that, you were moving, I'm, I'm assuming you were moving around a lot because you're, you know, your father's in the military and, and, uh, stability of that kind of sucks. And, uh, and then, you know, you had this party life that you mentioned and is that how you got into addiction or what happened? Yeah. Well, my dad wasn't in the military. He was way before I was born. It, these are just stories that he told me about when he was, uh, you know, 22. But, uh, um, you know, what got me into using cannabis in, in recovery. So, uh, you know, at 2012, I I literally skidded, you know, since I was, I'd say, 14 years old, you know, addicted to alcohol and, and cocaine and, you know, just some really gnarly uh, substances. And... Um, I found myself and it just start, kept um, evolving as recovery does. Addiction, right, evolves into addiction. Recovery, you know, you get to certain places. And I started, I started to question why it was okay for people in recovery to be on Wellbutrin and Prozac and opiates and, you know, other, you know, benzos and, and such. And why cannabis was, was deemed this, you know, drug because it's, you know, it's illegal. It's a schedule one. But that's what, you know, helped me to start formalizing these ideas in my head about medicine box. And at that time I was having experience in really high highs and low lows from, you know, the dependency issues that I had. And I wasn't really quite in that spiritual awakened place that the 12 steps, um, is really based on. And my physician uh, prescribed me 10 milligrams of Prozac. And I say, thank you, Pfizer. Thank you, Prozac, because it really helped me be able to design the plant medicine that we design to work more effectively than an SSRI or really kind of mimic what an SSRI does, which is a, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. And that's, um, you know, again, that was one of those other level up, like, okay, people need to have less dependency on pills and more of a relationship with plants. And again, that's what I fo- started to put into medicine box. And was there, was there anybody in, in your, I mean, I don't want to break the anonymity either, but I just, your support system in recovery during the 12 step program, if you're going to these meetings, everybody there 
is gung ho about uh, about abstinence, and uh-huh. you're a guy that comes in and says, "Well, hold on a second. Why is it okay to use Wellbutrin and and uh, and all the other uh, antidepressants and anticonvulsants and all the other benzodiazepines that kill people uh-huh. more than all than even cocaine does, by the way." Um, why is that okay? Like, did, did you have any pushback there? Did no. you have support? Well, the thing is with the 12 steps is you, you just don't, you know, you don't bring any, any of that up. It, you know, the, the only requirement is a desire to stop drinking and right. using, you know, so that, that's where it gets confrontational. But you need to have and, a sponsor. Yeah. And, you know, uh, a sponsor and, and all of that, but the other the other kind of boom hit in the face was the the mentor that I met during that journey in 2015, yeah. Michael Hollister. Um, he passed away in the strawberry full moon of 2018. Uh, he's our spiritual advisor to Medicine Box. I can still I still make decisions based on the. the I remember you telling me about him. I didn't know he learned. died. Yeah, in 2018 on the full moon, we started our journey on the new moon of of 2015, and every. Every new moon and full moon, we'd have phone calls. And it turns out that he was also in recovery, right? And one day he said, Brother Brian, you and I are, aren't that much different, right? And he's like, we're going to get you off of Prozac. And we used um, the medicine that I was making and that he helped kind of oversee. And then another uh, high CBD to THC uh, ratio, 34 to 1 with a, a terpene infusion, and we transitioned myself off of Prozac uh, within three months. Wow. And, um, I actually, you know, side sidebar here, but I just had a consult with a kid in Vermont that's on Prozac and he has our, our tincture and I'm using the same, the same program that I used with, uh, that my mentor used with me and I'm not a doctor disclaimer, uh, you know, I'm not a, a health practitioner, right. but I know it works. And uh, that's so you're a healer. That's what I like to do to pay it forward, you know. And um, so, you know, through recovery, through taking Prozac, through growing cannabis, through understanding cannabis, jumping into a mindfulness routine, uh, getting really, really, really into a non negotiable meditation practice was all kind of happening at the same time. And like did you find on- those things useful for you? What tools oh, yeah. did you use at that time to, you know, through recovery? There's so many people, even yeah. that I see in my clinics and that listen to this that are suffering from recovery, that are, or sorry, suffering from addiction, and they don't have a process. What it sounds like to me is that you've developed a process yeah. that wasn't just based on cannabis. Mm-hmm. You know, cannabis, you know, you, you were able to somehow figure out how to use um, cannabis cannabis as an alternative by seeing these traditional pharmaceuticals, but then you also had a process, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that process is very grounded in routines and rituals. And I think w- when you're, when you're an addict, you have a lot of time on your hands and you have to fill that empty time and the emptiness within yourself with something that is going to temporarily make you feel better or fix something or, uh, not feel anything. And when you remove the drugs and the alcohol from the person, guess what you're left with? 
yourself. You're, you're left with the feelings. You're left with the emotions. You're left with the traumas. You're left with the you know negative feedback loop and uh, thought processes and, and stories you keep telling yourself. And that's the journey that you you go through. And that's you know the the fine line when you're in recovery because if anyone's listening out there that isn't an addict or knows someone that is, uh, it is really where the rubber meets the road when you put the plug in the jug or stop using. You have to fill up that time with new behaviors that create new neural pathways. You have to make the changes to people, places, and things. You have to uh, not go to the you know, you don't go to the, I hear people that, you know, oh, I, I can still go to the bar, but I don't drink. Why do you even want to go to the bar? Right. You know, what's the point? You know, why don't you go take a walk in the, in the woods or learn how to meditate? So I, I learned uh, Qigong. I learned a mindfulness practice. I got really into that. Uh, my meditation practice is absolutely 100% non-negotiable. Uh, Every day? Every day with the sunrise at 20 minutes a day. And if I can do 20 minutes at night, I call that my bookends of the day because I live one day at a time in recovery. So I started to put all these other tools or medicines in my medicine box to bolster my recovery program. Right. And even in the 12 steps, you know, it's AA is not the only thing. NA is not the only thing. So you know, Reiki, massage, I go to acupuncture every Thursday, you know, and on the weekends when I'm not, you know, doing Skypes and, you know, glued to my phone and my calendar, I use the time given to me for a positive, esteemable action. I'll ramp up my meditation to an hour, you know, on Saturday and Sunday, clean out the cobwebs in my head from the week of just logistical, rational thinking. And that allows me to be a bit more creative. But disclaimer, it took me a long time to get there. Lots of practice, lots of trial and error, right? Lots of figuring out what, what works for me. And that might not work for Ira, you know, might not work for you, Janelle. It's, it's, it's what works for me. You said something interesting earlier where you said that you know kind of like your experience with Prozac and other medications kind of helped you with developing some of your products so is that like a part of the process for medicine box that you use Uh, your experiences to develop the product lines yeah thanks for circling back on that because that's a that's a big one is what makes um you know, our product's really unique. I like to say we develop mindful medicine through the wisdom of cannabis and, and um, ancient wisdom blend, blended with modern science and culture to create socially and environmentally responsible business platforms. So looking through all those lenses of the seven pillars and looking at and then choosing a specific practical lifestyle solution. So for example, the the tincture I've been talking about or the formulation, it's called equanimity, balance in all things, you know, mind, body, soul, remaining cool, calm, and collected. But what helps create balance, right? Or homeostasis. And as we all know in science and IRA, I've seen him talk about this many, many times, is the endocannabinoid system is what helps regulate our homeostasis. 
in our central nervous system. So looking at a variety of ancient wisdom or herbs, very practical herbs, chamomile, valerian, lemon balm, catnip, skullcap, licorice, hawthorn berry. We get B6 and tryptophan from another plant source, banana peel, actually. And we blend all that together with individual extraction processes. And then the cannabis we use is a specific cultivar that grows really well in uh, the Grass Valley, Nevada County region. And that is high in, it's, a, it's an indica hybrid. So it's, it's derived from the original Afghani indica land race. So indica, very sedating, but it's also the myrcene in there. And then a little bit of uh, CBN that oxidizes from the THC. So now when you put all that together in a formulation, you have a really potent formulation. And it's all those herbs are targeting the central nervous system. Mm. Skullcap and valerian hit the same receptors as benzodiazepines. Right? THC that's in that whole plant extract, uh, Ira and I talk about this, the key in the lock system. The THC isn't there to get you high. It's actually, I like to think of it as the jumper cable to your CB1 receptor. It's, it's there to, as an um, activator antagonist to unlock your CB1. So all those other plant compounds can get in there and target that nervous system. Now we're building, now we're building more serotonin, right? The B6 and the tryptophan, our bodies don't produce, um, or tryptophan, one of 23. Tryptophan. Yeah. Tryptophan uh, one of, one of, our, our body. Needs. Well, yeah, one of 23 essential amino acids that has been bred out of our food systems over the last 100 years. So oh, yeah. If you, look, <laughs> if you look at that and look at the rise in depression, there's a direct correlation to it. So building serotonin is really what we're going for. More serotonin, less stress. More serotonin, easier to regulate. More serotonin, homeostasis. Um, Prozac and I don't want to get super into the, the science behind it because I have a, a doctor here. That... Said you, yeah, it's all right. You seem to know, you know, but, uh, you know, you know more about that than I do. But I, I, like, I look I'm at, still learning from you. And that's, right. that, that's you. amazing. All, as my, as my mentor, Michael would always say, he's like, we're all students in the classroom, Brian. Yeah. So we're all students here, but I look at Prozac as, it's a reuptake inhibitor. So it's just working with, if you have three lonely serotonin molecules in your brain, Prozac is there to surge those three molecules so they don't get reuptake in between the synapses. I'm over here with the plant medicine and all these herbs. I want to, I want to build more serotonin. I want more serotonin in my synapses to to play You're with trying to produce it we're, I'm pro trying, we're the production I'm trying to produce yeah. it. the production yeah. i'm not here trying to jump start my car over and over and over again when i can change the spark plugs so yeah. that that's I like that you know that's really where um you know that that practical lifestyle solution you know anxiety depression and then sleep so when i sleep that tryptophan is converting into serotonin our serotonin regulates our melatonin or our circadian rhythm, sleep-wake cycle. And th those are the links in the chain that I like to talk about because a, a lot of folks I know, they're like, oh, I take melatonin. It's like, well, no, that's just, that's just like a Band-Aid. Why don't we start all the way back with B6, tryptophan, serotonin, 
and to develop to get more melatonin in your body production of, yeah it, it's such a great uh, it's such a, a smart a smart way of thinking and it makes me actually look at medicine box slightly different now than than i i, I even did in the beginning medicine box is really your toolbox that's exactly it, what it is yeah it's my it's my own and it's a, it's a it is yeah and it's your it's it's a representation of who you are but then it can be anybody else's medicine box and mm-hmm. now I, I mean I get I get that name, but it's not just cannabis. I mean it's the toolbox. It's like the medicine box. What's in right. this box? It's not it's not just cannabis. It's mm-hmm. meditation. It's the whole lifestyle. It's so it's medicine box represents a lifestyle. I yep. get it. I get uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I never and got it. I get it. Cannabis is just the sliver. It's just the thing that just ties it all together because it's always evolving. I like to say, I don't know anything. I don't. I don't know anything about cannabis. Cannabis knows more about me, and and by what I was just able to explain to Jill is my journey through cannabis and understanding it and experimenting with it, and and then I keep I keep adding to it, and that's the beautiful thing. And. Uh, Part of that addition, you know, is in quarantine, if I could talk about this a little bit, um, using that time wisely, right? So from a recovery standpoint, I know a lot of people in recovery that are, are struggling because they don't know what to do with all this time. Right. right? Yes. They, and isolation is addiction, right? Connection is recovery. So what are we connected to? Uh, the Medicine Box team has really galvanized and have worked really cohesively. And when they listen to this, I just want to thank every single one of them. We have developed three new non-THC products, an e-commerce platform, uh, because this medicine that we speak of needs to be available to you know, the 300 million people in the United States. And it's heartbreaking to me when people reach out to me. See, Where can I get your product? Just, it's not just your. It's not just your medicine. I'm. I'm. I'm thinking more and more. It's not just your medicine that needs to get out to 300 million people. It's, it's medicine box that needs to get out to 300 million people because, you're. Too. It's. 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 But what. But what I mean by that is it's not. It's not just the medicine. It's the. It's those seven pillars. It's. Medicine box is recovery, right? Mm-hmm. Medicine box is a journey into your own, uh, whatever, whatever person's recovery, whatever that they're, you know, whether it's a struggle or whether they're trying to improve their life, medicine box is that, is that kit that's going to get them there. So it's more than just the, the medicine that needs to get out there. It's the whole way of thinking. It's that whole lifestyle that needs to get out of there. That's, you know, that's what I'm hearing. That's what thank I'm hearing you. from you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it because uh, we've been that that right there is something that I've been developing, uh, and then my team has really been taking it and helping to fine tune it. We're putting those seven pillars into you know some sort of uh, you know PDF uh, that can be available on a landing page. We're doing a lot of uh, content distribution. Three new products that don't have THC. And then Ira will have hours of conversation around the uh, around this. But again, one of those 
uh, one of those revelations that the plant has revealed more about me. I was last year at this time, CBD isolate. Hell no, I'm not stepping anywhere near that part of the industry because I'm a whole plant person. Ah, here comes CBG. Oh, CBN. Oh, CBC. I started learning about all these new cannabinoids, deep diving into CBG. Oh, it shows, you know, it can mitigate Crohn's disease. And it's doing good really good. IBS and gut health. My mom has IBS. 45 million people, 15% of the U.S. population have IBS. I think it's the most widely spread illness or disease in, in the world. So we brought back an old formulation from the Prop 215 days called Happy Belly, uh, added some um, CBG and some CBD, no THC, some uh, cinnamon, some stinging nettle, some reishi mushroom, some hemp, olive fractionated, coconut oil, uh, fennel, grapeseed, chamomile, omega-3, citric acid and some lovely saffron to really just harmonize those ingredients hold on and that's all in one is that is this a tincture is this that's another it's a formulation we like to call it a liquid soft gel i really wanted to make it into a soft gel and my uh, chief scientist dr Raphael, and i were going like this so we're it's it's i lost you there a second what do you call it uh it's it's a tincture uh formulation but we're calling, you know, it's it's the the dose is 0.5 milliliters, which is pretty standard for a soft gel. So we're calling it a liquid soft gel, you know, and it, it gets into your gets into your system a lot faster, um, you know. Is it a, is it a soft gel? No, it's not a soft gel. It's it's in tincture form. Right here. So how how do you call it a, a soft gel if it's <laughs> yeah, exactly. a soft? What the fuck's that mean? It's it's the late it's the liquid without the gel. Uh, yeah, uh, it's a liquid non-soft gel. That's exactly. So uh, we're, we'll be launching the, that product June first on a direct-to-consumer e-commerce platform. And like you said, it's it's getting Medicine Box out there to to the world and and not you know being limited in the you know California THC marketplace. So in quarantine with all this time, then there's not enough time in the day. Uh, in the last 45 days, we've we've pushed really hard to get this, and you know, thinking about the human at the other end of the supply chain, empathizing with our consumer. That um, a lot of people are going to be jobless, and the real the real symptom or disease that you know we're trying to alleviate or bring some relief to is fear. Right? A lot yeah. of people are in fear right now. You yeah. know, economic insecurity, health, death. What's next? The unknown. Not everyone thrives in in the unknown, right. and that's Wait, part of what Medicine Box is. I, just, I want to bring you back a second. You were saying you were talking about what you would tell somebody who's going through addiction right now, mm-hmm. and they're in a spot. We're all we're sitting in in quarantine, and uh, not everybody has the you know has is lucky enough to have a lake near them. And uh, can just go outside and 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 as we're talking about medicine box being this whole, for, I actually have never you're, you're met that the medicine you are describing doesn't exist. Okay, I'll just tell you that. Like, I mean, I know a lot of brands, 
I've heard a ton of brands. I've never heard of anything quite like what you're doing, and which is why I want, one of the major reasons I wanted to have you here, aside from helping people through this quarantine thing, is your medicine can help a lot of people, and and I can't wait to get my hands on that, um, on on your hemp tincture that you're just talking about, and like you could see how you're trying to treat the whole person, and mm. and not just a little part of them. So what are you, you know, just to bring you back around to what you were saying, how would you, what would you tell somebody who's sitting at home now that has all this time where, you know, they were able to fill that up with other things and they're suffering from addiction at this moment in time? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Uh, you have to get, find ways to get out of self right? When we're isolating, it's easy to go up in your brain and then follow the rabbit hole of thoughts down into the past and then worry about the future. And it takes us away from the present. That's why we took drugs and alcohol to get rid of all that. And the most simple thing you can do is pick up the phone and call someone. That's immediately when you pick up the phone and you just say, Hi, Ira. How are you? That's tough for someone, and that's isolating, mm. you know. But that is showing humility because you are able to take the action to get out of your big fat fucking head. Excuse my language. No, no, but, you can use that language. You know, here. but that's it, you know. Or saying, "I need help." Those three words. Right. I, I need help. I surrender, or I just want someone to talk to, right? Or, you know taking a walk and I understand not many people are able to even leave and, and, and that's tough, but you know, nourishing food, water, you know, like some of the simple tactics that I learned, I didn't know what self-care was eight years ago. You know, my sponsor was like, Brian, go home and, and make yourself a good meal and take a bath and get a good night's sleep. I, I didn't know what that was. Right. You know, um, but some, some things like that prayer, you know, is, is a huge part of my life as well. And when that's, you know, directly linked Who are you praying to, I pray to, you know, sorry, I know I lost you there a second, you know, see God did that on purpose. As, as I asked you that one sec, we're getting back into it. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Cause like, I mean, I, this is totally off topic, but like, I pray to God. Will you pray to you do? Yeah, I pray to even God. God. I there. I believe that there is a much higher level of consciousness at work than just my tiny fleck of existence in this universe. And once I I was able to connect to that, I realized that my tiny little problems don't mean a damn thing. They really don't. I mean. I mean, I know the Pentagon released three, three, uh, those three videos of flying saucers. You know, I, I have this trouble, man, when we start talking about God and, uh, maybe there's a higher, you you call it's such a, uh, it's such a patriarchy of, of masculinity. When you say Mm. this word God, you know, maybe nature, maybe like a higher being. You God know, is, I, and how did you yeah. deal with that? Hold on. How did you deal with that? Even in the 12 step, because the first thing is to recognize there's something superior to yourself just to get into this fucking little 12 step <laughs> thing. And, and yeah, so you, and you're telling, you're telling me you pray to God. Like I, I came from that whole world. God, so like, well, I know you did. We've had conversations. Yeah, about I know. That. 
um, God, God, as I understand it, right. It's, you know, when I, when I think if I had to really say it's the trees I'm looking at the lake, I'm looking at, there's a skylight right here and birds fly over my house, sometimes bald eagles. And I see the shadows go by. That's God real Uh quick. They're blocking the sun and there's a little shadow. That's God. Um, you know, the fact that I'm able to, you know, turn my tap water on and, and drink really delicious water out of the tap here in the mountains, you know, that's that to me is God. I think all of us are, are messengers of God. We all talk through, you know, we're, we're conduits from, you know, something from a higher, higher perspective and, um, nature, I'd say nature is is my understanding of of God or the universe. I don't know if I'm like God, damn it! No, not that God. It's a different God. Different, different God. Different. All right, yeah. nothing. So Ira, I'm sorry. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I think I, you. I think you'll appreciate this. So when I okay. said, I said ancient wisdom blended with modern science. Yeah, I like part that. of that. Part of that ancient wisdom comes from uh, we our scientist, Dr. Raphael. He's uh, Israeli. He's a PhD plant scientist from Jerusalem, and he came over to California three years ago. But he often references the Old Testament to look for herbs and botanicals that are written in the Old Testament. That's part of the ancient wisdom. So um, I, mean, I, don't, I, just, I don't know who wrote the Old Testament. But. I, I think it, I mean, I think over time, uh, listen, if we're going, oh, shit, we're going to start, off, yeah, I'm going to start offending every, <laughs> I don't give a shit. Let's start no, no, we every, don't need to every, every Orthodox <laughs> rabbi that I know, and maybe priest. Um, if I mean, if you go back, aside from the God, right? According to ancient tradition, God wrote the first book, and then it was all like, you know, given down through uh, Moses, through all the other books. But over time, in according to history, it was written at different periods of time. So I mean, as a historical reference, there's definitely. Botan- botanicals that are are listed in there, some of which we don't have anymore, and some you know some of which were used for healing, and so you know and the the anointing oils like the fifteen different oils and the thirty different oils they would bring in offerings. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. And so you definitely take a holistic approach to your medicine. The thought that you put into medicine box is 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 like a full different consciousness than what we're used to here, which doesn't have, and for the industry in general, I've been working in the industry since 2010, and, or I guess, when did the industry start here? 2013 or whatever, whenever legalized stuff started happening. And, uh, and, and nobody that I could think of really puts in that much thought into the consciousness, into the, I don't know if you call it, you know, con- it's not social justice. It's like conscious, social consciousness. How and, and it probably hasn't always been roses. I mean, I remember you told me one story and I'd love to hear it. Like before legalization, actually, I want to get into that. You, you, you know, you were you had an apartment you had or you had that place in Oakland and it was broken into yeah what happened with that i actually want to hear that story i think that's important for people well, to know and i think that yeah. helped shape what's going on in t- 2009 we we got that and 
moved out of there the end of 2011. It was just getting pretty uh, rough and tough around that neighborhood. But you may be thinking of 2017, where my uh, farm in Grass Valley uh, was raided by the good old sheriffs of Nevada County, mm-hmm. who are very, you know, have that prohibitionist mindset. And I was direct, directly targeted by them for making, you know, I gave my best JFK uh, in a two-minute public comment hearing in front of 300 people. And and I put myself, put a bullseye on my back. By, what did you say? Uh, you know, this was this was a meeting to really galvanize the community and, and bring us all together to create a sustainable cannabis ordinance, which we have now. But there was a lot of political advocacy happening at that time, a lot of prohibitionists that didn't want that to, to move forward. And, uh, it you know, in two minutes, it was all about, you know, we're here to work with, with everyone. We're here to educate. You know, I have, you know, real estate in this, in this community. I have farms in this community. I spend my, you know, my money locally. And 36 hours after that, sheriffs are pounding on my gate. And then 36 hours after that, uh, another location was, um, was raided by five men in tactical SWAT gear carrying AR-15s posing as authorities and when I called the sheriffs to come protect and serve for a break-in uh, on my property, they flipped the script on me, and they ended up raiding it even further and uh, seized every seized 343 pounds of marijuana that was going into the the legal, uh, you know, industry in 2018. This was in November. So we had another like month to uh, be able to transition that into the, the legal climate. And that is a case that is still pending right now. It's uh, Brian Chaplin versus the county of Nevada, California. And we the last update is we won five out of the seven demurs. So it's moving forward. And if there's anything that comes out of it, as far as policy change, so legal cannabis businesses can be deemed, we're deemed essential right now, but we should be also be deemed as the, the local bakery, barbershop, salon, or restaurant. So uh, that happened. Then my mentor died and, in 2018. And I mean, it's, you know. So how did you keep, so how did you keep that social consciousness or awareness? How did you keep that at the forefront of your mind when you're dealing with shit like that? I mean, something that's really tough for me to deal with is, you know, I, I've been under scrutiny by my college for uh, almost a decade since starting this. And something that's really hard for me is to, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's wearing on me, right? I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I'm exhausted. And, yeah. but I've never had, I've never had, you know, uh, I've, I've, I've never been arrested. I've never had like the SWAT team at my door. I've never, I mean, I've, I've, I've had people take away my licenses. I've had to go to court. I've done a whole bunch of shit, but I've never had a gun in, I've never been like had a gun in my face. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So how, how, how do you, how do you continue to do what you do dealing with recovery, dealing with, uh, dealing with a business, dealing with, um, with guns in your face by the law and other, 
not the law, the opposite of the law. How do you how do you manage to keep your head on and still believe in a fair exchange? Like I, I hear all these things in business. Like how do you do that? Yeah. What is it that that allows you to do that? Because that that's so important. It's a, that's a that's a great question. Uh, I can make a joke out of it, but it's uh, some say I'm crazy, but I'm just insane. Um, <laughs> I believe in what I'm doing. Right. It's it's simply that you know, and, and if if you're going to have a, a business in cannabis or a cannabis business, or if you're even a consumer, I really think you have to be an advocate for the plant as well and what it stands for. And uh, that's the that's the the risks that I'm willing to take because um, I, be, I I simply have a, a a calling, right? I don't have a job or a career. It's a calling, and it's a passion of mine and. You know, I've, I'm also a Capricorn and I think, you know, just my DNA is you, You're stubborn. you always, yeah. you know, I'm a stubborn goat. You always go after what you believe in. And since I was a kid, it's always, you know, I wanted to play guitar. I started playing guitar. I wanted to go to UVM. I went to UVM. I wanted to move to Tahoe. I'm, I just have always been able to figure out ways yeah. to, to get to where to go. Would you say that the advocacy aspect of your personality as it relates to cannabis is what motivated you to move from the legacy market into the legal market? Absolutely. I wasn't feeling satiated with what I was doing any longer, and I was sick of looking over my shoulder, lying about what I did to people that didn't know me. And I really, you know, from a very simple point, uh, I wanted to be able to showcase what the world, um, the things that I could not put on my resume. Right. Right? If that makes sense. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew I would be able to figure out how I was going to do it. And, you know, I really believed in, you know, the the intrinsic you know, properties of, of cannabis. And that's when I was learning about, you know, terpenes and cannabinoids. And I was like, this, I, I don't want to just grow. I just don't want to grow a pound of cannabis anymore and put it in a bag. I want what's in there. And then I want to translate that to, to another human. And then I want that human to have a better life from it. So that's, you know, and, so and, how, and if you had, hold on, I'm going to interrupt you a sec there. If you had, forward. If you had to tell somebody, there's a lot of people out, out there that are trying to transition from the legacy market into the, uh, into the adult use legal market, what would you say to them? How do they start doing that? How does somebody start, start that process? Where do they go? Like, just yeah. Do they just say, fuck it, today's the day, I'm going to apply for a license and here we go? Yeah. Have, have you ever uh, jumped off a cliff into water? <laughs> yeah have you ever right. gone up to that cliff and you look down at the water and you're like i don't know every if i should time. do this yeah right? every time and the more you keep looking down and you say i don't know if i want to do this the more you start to chicken out yes 100%. or you just go up and you look down you're like that's not bad you take a few steps back and you just jump off right that's what you have to do um because the more you question the direction you're going uh the, the less chance you are, are going to have to make. And I, I learned that. I 
you know, I, I was bouncing in between both worlds until I re was really like, there's things that kept happening that were signs saying, you got to, you got to take the two steps back and get a running leap off the cliff. And then you just figure it out as you go along. But I th you really need to get clear up here and then in, in, in your heart and, and get both of those things, both that heart, mind, wind horse uh, working. And I wrote, I wrote a blog years ago about the four corners of the, of the industry and where it used to be one homogenized industry. If you think of a box or these boxes we're looking in right now, they're now divided into, into four corners one is you know the the world i'm in like i really I'm, I'm making the adaptation to move forward a sustainable cannabis industry a, a, the legalized market whatever you want to call it that's the way there's group number two that is like mm, they kind of want to do it they don't know how to they want you know, they want the good old days. They don't quite have the idea they're in purgatory. Then there's corner number three that they're just like, I'm not doing this. I'm staying in the I'm traditional market for life, right? I'm going to do it until someone tells me to stop. And then group number four is, you know what? Fuck this. I'm over it all. I'm, you know, cashing out and I'm, yeah. I'm moving, right? Or I'm going to open a coffee shop or I'm going to consult. Right. So that's what I started to see happen the last few years. And it's gotten a lot more clear. And there's even subgenres of that. So, you know, I've kind of transitioned you, through all th you, four of those, like, and you know, landed on number one. You know, what's kind of crazy is like you, you nailed it. You know, I was actually yeah. in, heading towards, um, that box number four saying, fuck it, I'm exhausted until actually I, I came upon cannabis wiki. Cause, uh, that re like really reinvigorated my love for cannabis in the industry. And it was something fresh and unique. And, uh, I, I was, I was like, I'm exhausted. This like the love hate relationship of doing this for the past decade and building something from nothing and creating this medical industry and then like just like constantly always being pushed down and being and pulled up and it was like it was ah it was like you're being stretched by those horses you know like braveheart at the end like where he's getting like fucking losing his limbs and shit and, and so i was like li I, I get it those four corners are it and i was like in that box that's that's such a a good way to explain it so yeah. do you see do you see the the legal market as the future? Where do you see the future? I, I know that Medicine Box is there, and we've spoken about how you're you're transitioning into that, and while you have, do you see that as the only sustainable future? I know it's putting you on the spot asking that well, question, but I I see this as just a stepping off point. You know, the industry is about thirty seven seconds old, and mm -hmm. You know, I think, you know, there's a resurgence of psychedelics and other, you know, plant-based medicines. And, you know, I, if 10, if I had to predict the future, you know, individualized plant-based therapies, um, I think is really where this is going to lead. I think the, the noise and the chatter of the recreational market, and I know we agree on this, Ira, you know, it's like, cool, buy your pack of pre-rolls, you know, awesome. 
Like people have been smoking joints for thousands of years. Okay. Yeah. Like, cool. Your flashy packaging. Great. That that's noise. You know, the, the big vape companies select oil, all these companies. Cool. You got in, you, you, you went on the stock market, big deal, you know, noise chatter. Are you helping people? That's where it's going to come down to. Are you helping people in cannabis? Once the fit, you know, you're in Canada, you all did a great job up there, you know, um, California, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, and the rest of the United States is trying to figure this out. I think once we do, we're going to start seeing, you know, a domino effect and, you know, also combined with this rise of global mm-hmm. consciousness. And, and, and that's what's going to set the cannabis will set the bar for the way we look at, you know, mental health and, and medical treatment. I think so. Actually, it's a, it's a really good point. I mean, even from a business standpoint, nobody will be able to take on the medicine of, you know, pharma, whether cannabis becomes individual plant-based or whoever takes it over. Medicine is always going to be there. And I, I believe in the medicine of cannabis. And you're right. People have been smoking joints for, for thousands and thousands of years. And, you know, there's nothing really new. But, you know, what is new is I've now, what, you're, what you've done, you've added, you know, all of those you know, whatever fucking substances to this <laughs> medicine. I don't like, I, I can't re- rename the only one I remember is saffron because it's expensive. That thing is super expensive. Uh, yeah. my wife is Persian, they love saffron. <laughs> so, like, the uh, you know, the the that's new, that's innovative, that's medicine. And so, I agree with you. I, I think that that is the future still. That's a good point. And mm-hmm. do you and the rec market is still there. It's always, it's a never, it's always been there. Yeah. It's just now coming out of the ground. Oh, I can tell you this much. I mean, because I've been in this, you know, a longstanding cannabis, OG cannabis community, I'm going to go, if I wanted to buy some flour to roll my own joints, which I don't, I would go see my, a friend of mine that's been growing for 10, 20, 30, 40 years that are growing their six plants legally under the sun, California sun, that's where I'd get it from. I wouldn't go to a dispensary to get it. Right. It's yeah. just, you know, but I'd go to the dispensary to buy the medicine that I'm talking about because it's specialized. And with that said, we are very misunderstood in the rec market in California, our product. Oh, you're just another tincture. Oh, your price per milligram of THC. It doesn't, you know, oh. it doesn't meet our standards. I'm like, yes, that's distill it. And it's blended with like myrcene and it looks like it's a $15 product. You know, ours is somewhere, but the price point 32 to $40 MSRP, but that doesn't make me give up. That actually makes me think, Oh, you're, you're onto something. You're actually building your own niche out and you know, people will catch on. And I, some, I've been told our products a little, maybe ahead of its time. But again, this is stuff that's been passed down, open source, fair trade for thousands of years, right? It's the yeah. same thing. Is it a joint or, you know, real herbal medicine? You know, herbalists will tell you the same thing. You know, medicine makers that are up in, in the Northern California hills, the amount of intellectual property that are in you know, under a, a barn roof or in a shed, it's astonishing. Yeah. Right. Up on, uh, up in the Emerald circle over triangle yeah. over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. 
Yeah, no, you all those those things just it sort of make you think. And actually, I'm glad we had this conversation too, because it it sort of again every time I speak to you, I get I get I, I get like encouraged again that that uh, okay, this is the right path. And you yeah. know, for a long time from legalization since legalization, and saying, oh man, is the job done? And uh, now what? You know, and a whole bunch of us from the beginning are sitting there saying, well, what do we do now? Like, I don't feel fulfilled yet. I don't mm. feel like we've we've done what we've needed to do, but it's here now and I don't know what else to do. And well, you just you just, you know, you give me hope for the future that there's people like yourself out there who are who are pushing the boundaries within the boundaries that already exist, like within the medicine, you're pushing the boundaries of the medicine and creating these formulations. And I really hope that that, that medicine box takes off. It's such an amazing brand. And I really, and not just a brand, it's a lifestyle. And that lifestyle, I think, is what, what people need to understand, especially if you're suffering or have suffered, you're either in recovery, in a, like suffering addiction, mental health, or lifestyle in general and want to lead that peaceful warrior like stoic mindset that like medicine represents all of medicine box represents all of those things. So my last question then to you is if your today's self had to, you know, give some advice to your past self, seeing how far you've come from, you know, from both addiction and the uh, legacy market into where you are today in recovery, what would you, what would you say? Yo, Brian, you're being way too fucking hard on yourself, man. Lighten up. You're just yeah. a human. You're just a human being trying to make it through this world with everyone else. Don't be so hard on yourself. Everyone, don't be hard on yourself. Give it's, yourself a pat on the back. Celebrate the many triumphs. Make your bed in the morning. That's a mini triumph. It is simple you know as that. Fuck. Yeah, we. Fuck. If I only knew that back then. It's all the all the negativity. The negativity seems to overcome the positives sometimes in our lives because those are the things we harbor on and try to improve on. And we don't think enough about the small little, the small wins. So, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks so much for being here, bro. I had like, Dude, you know, again, you, you always... You always bring that up. Yeah, like you always bring it out of me. I love it. And uh, I always want to have these conversations. I'm going to call you up when I'm feeling shitty. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. let's uh, let's not let all that time go by. I mean, you know, we, we Instagram and, and whatnot, but we have each other's yeah. contacts. We should just <clears throat> get on calls, just schedule calls. I'm going to send you my calendar. That's what I do now. I have yeah, a man. I have a calendar now I send I to people it. and they find slots. So find a slot and we'll just, to, we'll just have chats. I'll send it to my assistant who will slot in your calendar yeah. and we'll mark it all good. Perfect. Oh, thank you so much. Don't hang up. We've got the news coming at you right now. Janelle, you know, now that we're feeling, I feel so, do you feel so peaceful right now? Yeah. I feel like, I feel like when I'm done, I'm going to go fucking meditate. It's pouring rain outside, but I'm still going to go for a walk in the rain and head out to the back. I don't care right now. Like right now, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give myself that little reward. Why not? You should. Stop work for five <laughs> minutes and do it. No, don't you feel like that? Yeah, I do. It was very enlightening. Yeah, I, I totally was. So what's happening in the news? So a nightclub, yeah. so a property in Northampton 
had a nightclub in it. The landlord had the tenants who owned the club. They vacated at the end of March. Okay. So when he went back to check on the property sometime this month in April, somebody had broken in and actually transformed the vacant nightclub into a grow up. That's crazy. <laughs> really? While it, while it was on lockdown? He walks in and he immediately notices that the place is really, really hot. So he's like, what's going on here? And he goes down and he re- he sees all the lights and the whole setup. And he immediately gets freaked out because he's like, holy crap, this is some next level stuff. So he runs out of the building and calls the police because he's like, I don't want to get into a war with anybody. So when the police searched the building, they realized that the, the, um, the people that broke in had barricaded most of the entrances and the exits to the building and that they had mattresses. So they were literally living in there. So the guy, the landlord was actually pretty lucky because he happened to enter at a time when they weren't actually there. I'd keep it. I'd be like, yeah, sure. That's my building. You just leave everything as you see it. Out you go. How many plants do they have? Was it all like the whole place or just the... That's innovative. It is. It seemed like it was the whole place, but the landlord's really upset because he said they did so much damage to the venue. Yeah, it's uh, growing cannabis can cause some damage. That's Drill, pretty crazy. Drilling holes in walls and ceilings, and let's put the fan here and knock this wall down. And I'll take the lights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Yeah, what else you got? So in Barcelona, Spain, the FC Barcelona soccer team, they are actually going to be, for the first time in history, allowing someone to buy or a brand to buy the naming rights to the stadium. They're doing this in an effort to raise money to help the local community recover from COVID-19. Now, what's interesting about this is that Mike Tyson's cannabis brand, Swiss X, yeah, um, yeah. Rest an interest in actually name, in buying those rights to name the stadium to be the Swiss X Stadium. So David Alki, his business part, sorry, Alki David, his business partner, has actually uh, made statements saying that they're gonna throw their hat in the ring and that um, he wants to set it up that the concession stands at the soccer stadium actually sells. Um, Cannabis wellness products. Uh, I know in Canada, you're not even allowed to fucking, you can't even say a name and advertise. It doesn't work. Uh, do you think that, uh, I mean, that would be crazy if they allowed that to happen. And I, I guess, you know, you got a brand that surrounds that you're going to do pretty good. I'm pretty, I like, I, I'm kind of impressed that he's, he went out on a limb and did the cannabis thing and came out, especially when sport, when sport, uh, is, uh, you know, cannabis and sport was such a, uh, you know, taboo thing to talk about. There are a lot of guys doing it now and talking about, it. remember in 2017, when we were in Joshua tree, it was a 2018. It was maybe just or 2017, I think, when we were in Joshua Tree, and uh, it was just that September because it was actually it was September 2017 because that's when WADA uh, uh, took uh, took CBD off the banned substance list. And since that time, there's been you know cannabis and sport has has been uh, has come out pretty heavy. Um, and a lot of proponents of it. And so I actually think Mike Tyson did has done a wonderful job and done a really good job of, uh, of getting the brand like, yeah, he's got his own brand, but he's also promoting health and wellness. That's pretty cool for, mm-hmm. you know, for somebody of his, his, uh, fit like uh, sporting stature to do. So yeah. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. 
And if they are able to one get to name the stadium or That'd be even fucking two, awesome. further and actually have cannabis wellness products available in the concession stands, it will be a game changer worldwide. Amazing. Ah. Like that'd be pretty cool. All right. What's that? What else you got? What else you got? Anything? Very interesting one here. All right. Ontario Provincial Police um, Commissioner Julian Fantino resigning from Alifia. Oh, Fantino's resigning, by Mm -hmm. the way. So, Brian, one of the things that's happened here in the last two years, three years, maybe a little more, is that like all the ex-police chiefs, everybody that was like so dead against this shit for so long basically jumped in the ring and everybody got into the uh, cannabis space, like every one of them. Fantino, <laughs> police chief, um, uh, McCormick's daughter. I actually worked with that company for a while. Um, it's a good company. They, all of these, like the, anybody in law enforcement, they've all jumped into the ring. Whether they're politicians or not, they were all dead against it a decade ago. All of a sudden, boom, everybody's in. Now, because it's legal, who knows? But anyway, so he's resigned from Alifia. I didn't know that. He's resigning as of May, so um, Friday. So famously, like you're mentioning, he's famous um, for um, for his anti-legalization rhetoric. Yeah, of course. One of his most famous quotes was, I see legalizing it or putting it in shops as trying to normalize narcotics. Yeah. And the truth is there's nothing normal about it. So yeah. interesting that he said that in 2015 and then became... <laughs> oh, yeah, then founded Alifia in like 2017, two years later. You know, yeah. it, it's funny what motivation motivates people, you know. Uh, I mean, clearly we know where there's some motivation for this thing. I just don't know the reasons behind why he's resigning. Yeah, I, that's the whole thing. They didn't give, there's been no statements around the actual mm-hmm. reasoning for it. I'm sure a lot of people are happy to see him step down. But the reality is, is he's probably still going to be profiting off of this. Oh, for, for sure. Well, Alifia is not a bad, like, I, I know the guys over at Alifia, and I know their medical director, and I know they also own Emblem. Emblem is actually a pretty good licensed producer. They've got great cannabis. They're focused on medicine. Um, and uh, Mike Verbora is their medical director over at Alifia. I, I just had, I had no idea that they, uh, um, it was a lot of, it was a big boys club at one point in time. And yeah, so we'll see what happens there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. One more thing, and we got to get off the air because it's now. uh, Thing is a little bit positive news. So positive news. Cambridge, Massachusetts, they actually got to go ahead from a judge to move ahead with um, bylaws that actually are giving priority to disadvantaged cannabis businesses. So what that means is people who are trying to transition from the illegal market to the legal market will actually get preference licenses, etc. So a medical dispensary had actually tried to stop this particular um, ordinance and took them to court. And a judge said, no go, and they can proceed with the prioritizing of people from the illegal market. Well, that's pretty cool. I wish they did that. Actually, I think that's such a great way. So you want to end, uh, you want to end uh, a, uh, uh, a legacy market? I mean, that's all you got to do. You got to say, hey, guys, we're going to get let every one of you have a business. You in? Like, that's all you got to do. Who wouldn't yeah. jump on that? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's 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 almost that easy. You want to end the you want to end the legacy market. You say, here, guys, you don't have to pay the six thousand dollars. We actually want you to come to this market. If you've been in business for more than two years, here's your thing. Go get a shingle. Put it up. Done. It'll end tomorrow. 
Yeah. Everybody would want into that. Most people, okay. anyway. <laughs> Most people. Most people. Not, not everybody, right? Not everybody. There are some, like that that third pocket you said, that there's no, yeah. no way in hell I'm going into that market. But I got to say, when it comes to dollars and cents, I bet you the dollars for the most people, most part, people are going to move into the recreational legal adult use market if they had that opportunity and the barriers to their entrance were taken away. Yeah. Those barriers yeah, but... that keep people up. What about money? What about money if they don't have the money? And what about if they have a criminal record for marijuana, of all things? In Massachusetts, they're actually allowing you to do it even with the criminal record. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So they're not they're not judging you. If your criminal record is for selling marijuana, um, they're not barring you. Now, if your criminal record is for something else, you may see... Um, the, the doors closed. But if it's specifically for your involvement in the illegal market, you have a chance to enter the legal market. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's what we need to, that's, that's what's needed. You, you need is practical people working in government, mm. right? Is the practical person, <laughs> the practical person is going to say, yeah, we get it. You guys have a record, blah, 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 blah. I'll tell you right now, like I always, I mentioned Lee Whitley every time I'm on the air now, because this guy spent 14 years in prison for trafficking uh, cannabis between the United States and Canada. And now he literally is giving hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars away in cannabis to people who need it. He gives it, he won't even, like he has a concentrate, sort of like a, uh, a version of Rick Simpson oil, uh, you know, I don't want like an RS, sort of like an RSO, but his own version. And he's literally giving it away. A guy like this is literally giving it away. The practical thing to do is give a platform for this person to do that, you know, because there are people in need that can't afford it. And he's giving hundreds of thousands of dollars away. Now, or do we have practical people in government? Ah, God, I don't, uh, you know, it's never easy. It's always easy for the outside, for us on the outside to comment on what it's like when yeah. you're sitting in, you know, in, in, in a committee and you have 10 people on the other side and you're one person saying, no, you just need a practical person who's go, like, you know, you need the Doug Fords of the world to say, yeah, listen, stay inside or you're going to die. Like, you know, like, like he's a pretty practical guy. That's why I like what Doug Ford's doing for Ontario when it comes to this COVID stuff. All right, you want to, it's up to you. You want to go outside, you, you know, well, you're not going to die. But like, you know what I mean? He, it's just super practical. So we need more people like that in government writing policy that have the ability to affect change. But anyway, Brian, yes, I really, sir. I'm super, I'm super glad that you, uh, that we had this conversation. I think it's going to help a lot of people who are sitting at home and who, you know, who have small, who started off in the legacy market and have a business are trying to transition or suffering from, from addiction and looking for mindfulness. And I always talk about mindful consumption and all these concepts have come together from guys like Brian. That's where it all came together for me. And so, you know, I want to thank you for being here and hopefully we'll keep that discussion going. Janelle, as usual, it was awesome and yeah. uh, great banter, great discussions, guys. Hope to see you all again. All right, before we get off the air, uh, who do you want to plug? Uh, let's plug medicinebox.green and medicineboxwellness.com is the new e-commerce site. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at 
underscore Brian Chaplin, Medicine Box is at Medicine underscore Box. I'm also on LinkedIn too and a variety of Facebook groups. And uh, I want to plug my whole team out there. Thank you for doing the good work so I can uh, come here and have compelling conversations with you too. Awesome. And hey, hey guys, uh, don't forget to check out cannabis.wiki, cannabis wiki for all your news and your dispensary. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, cannabis wiki is an awesome, awesome platform. Uh, It's got a cannabis dispensary uh, on there. And you can, dispensaries in the United States and Canada, you can find them on there. You can find all of our videos on there and all the latest news and updates. You'll all find that on Cannabis Wiki. And uh, thanks to uh, Derek for producing this as well. And uh, you guys are awesome.